Human Resources Pro, new business owner, wife, and now mother of two under two, Chanel Nelson is in the pursuit of financial independence. Chanel has been featured in Who's Who in Black Columbus and the Columbus Young Professionals Club City Pulse 52 YPs to Know for her service in the community and contributions within the field of human resources. At the end of 2018, Chanel finished up two three-year terms as an executive board member of the Columbus Urban League Young Professionals. She is looking ahead and continuing to embrace motherhood and grow her property management business, FI Realty. Chanel enjoys taking time from being a boss babe to cuddling with her husband of three and a half years, Michael, 16-month-old son, Mason, and newborn, Camille, to watch Happy Feet. Welcome, Chanel. Thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast today. So you now live in Columbus, Ohio. Just tell us um, where you moved from and how and why you arrived in Cebus. Yeah, sure. Um, so thank you, first of all, for having me on the podcast. Such an honor. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I am um, from east of Atlanta. So not east Atlanta, but east of Atlanta, which is uh, Lithonia, DeKalb County area. Um, that's where my mom and my sister and I moved from originally from New York. So most of my family's in New York. And then um, we kind of moved in like 96 to um to Georgia and so that's where I say I'm from. Um, I came to Columbus for Honda. Um, I was provided with an opportunity in 2010, and um, and yeah, just the first time coming here, I just thought it was such a beautiful place. It was so different from what I was used to, um, and I didn't think I would be here this long, but here I am. Yeah, here that's how I it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, moving there, what were some key things that you did to get acclimated to just being in a new city? Yes. So, um, so it was interesting because I, you know, I came here with a role with Honda specific, specifically within recruiting. And so, you know, being a fortune 500 company, we would recruit from all over the world. So I'm bringing people in, you know, all the way as far as California and I'm bringing them to a state that I'm new to, and I'm trying to, you know, learn myself and mm-hmm. fall in love with myself. So I think it was a part, it was important for me to kind of get out and, and really learn and understand what Columbus had to offer. Um, and so I initially joined Columbus Young Professionals, um, which was just an organization, like a social organization, but it exposed me to different parts of the city, um, you know, things that I wouldn't have other, otherwise known and people Um, And Mm so Honda was in a very secluded area, kind of very rural area. So being able to have that outlet to learn more, I feel like it even helped me in my job to to um, be able to talk to some of those places and kind of sell Columbus (laughs) to other people. Yeah, which is important, which is important because just I myself, when I moved to Columbus um, and knew nothing and no and no one. I feel like I was drawn there by, you know, uh, when I interview people telling me, oh, well, this is nice and you can go here and there. So I think that's important. Um, And just to piggyback off of that, 
would so being that you moved somewhere that you weren't that familiar with for a job opportunity is that something that you would encourage others to kind of not be afraid of oh definitely definitely I always tell people you got to go where the opportunity is you know depending on what what you're looking for but sometimes that opportunity may not be in your backyard like I applied for so many positions in Atlanta and wanted to stay in Atlanta you know that's where all my friends were Um, and just nothing was coming through. And here I am applying for a job in Ohio, a state I had never even been in. Um, I even looked it up on the map (laughs) ignorantly to figure out where I was even going. Mm -hmm. And so I think people definitely need to expand, um, you know, their horizons and not be so close-minded as to, you know, just going where the opportunity is. My first year here, I didn't have, I had a dining room table and a bed. I went home every day and I ate and I slept and, you know, because I just didn't know what, what this opportunity would be. And here I am nine years later. Um, and it's been the best move I've ever made. So. Yes. And you're rooted now. Yes. <laughs> yes. You are rooted to the city now. So um, you mentioned that you joined the Columbus Young Professionals Group um, and you're active in a couple of young professional and social groups. How important do you think that that is to making your mark and growing as a professional or an individual? Very important. Um, It was interesting because with, um, with CYP initially, um, you know, it's a more mainstream organization, very open to, you know, a lot of different people. And um, at one event, I met this guy, this black guy named Emmett, and he was from Columbus, and he has his own businesses and things like that. And again, because I was new to Columbus and kind of far out away from like the city, I had my own perception on what I thought or how I thought Columbus was. Um, and he kind of just broke things down from being from Columbus and talking about like um you know, maybe division and not opportunities for all people. And it was just such a different experience that he had. Um, and and I wanted to kind of understand that at another level, I guess. I wanted to be more involved in, um, in, in trying to understand what that divide was because that wasn't my experience. My experience was oh my God, you know, you're this African-American girl, like by other African-Americans and they wanted to support me in my career. They were successful, you know, whether it was people at my church or um, people at my company, they were interested in my success and seeing me succeed. And so hearing this from this guy, I was like, okay, well, let me, let me try to branch out and kind of, um, you know, explore a little bit more. And so then I, um, I was at an event and I met a friend who is a former uh, board member with the Columbus Urban League Young Professionals, Elijah. And he was telling me about, hey, you know, this organization is about to relaunch. You should consider getting involved. Um, And so this was like the perfect opportunity for me to get more civically involved with the city of Columbus. And then I think through that, I've been able to get access to just you know, community leaders that I probably would have never had access to um, and just really, truly understand the makeup of Columbus and and some of those things that Emmett was telling me about and how I could impact those things. And that's um, interesting just that you mentioned 
um, just kind of having a different perception when you move in and you're not a native or just if you don't experience kind of different facets of the city, because I myself, like being in Dallas, (laughs) am hearing that too. I'm like, oh, like Dallas is so fun and I, so many other young professionals and people that are from here are like oh it's kind of segregated <laughs> yeah. it's and because you're you know you come in and you are you know kind of specifically targeting you know what you want to make of the city and sometimes but that's an important note that um you might have to step outside and inquire as to um how to get a whole perspective of where you're living yes yes yeah. very whether it's a new city or an old city, like or somewhere you've been, right, right, right. Um. So, also something that you do, um, or you have launched is Motherhood is, um, <laughs> and just tell us about that. What inspired you to create uh this blog and the social form? Yes. Um. So yes. Yeah, so I I launched Motherhood is last year. Um, after, I think it was after, either right before having my son, uh, Mason, who was born in January of 2018. Um, I don't think I was that girl that dreamt of, you know, being someone's wife or just having this fairy tale wedding or being this mom. Um, and so as I'm going through this process, trying to figure it out, I wanted a way to express what I was going through on this journey and just elicit support from, you know, whatever community was was listening in. Um, and so I've, I've always been a person that just loves pictures and videos and capturing memories growing up as well. So this was also like a way of documenting this unknown experience in the most authentic way that I knew how. So I didn't have any expectations for it. Um, it was just, you know, this is me being me. Um, and I wanted it separate from, you know, my normal personal profile because I didn't want to, you know, flood my professional contacts and friends and all this stuff with like pictures of mommyhood. And, you know, and of course, you know, people have followed me on my motherhood is, but it, it just I wanted it to be something different. And, and I just wanted it to kind of be whatever it it became without putting any, you know, Right. plan to it <laughs> just organically grow as you yeah with it. yeah um are there any particular challenges that you faced as a new mom specifically as a mother of color as a black woman uh throughout your pregnancy and after um that you wanted to detail you know um I'm not sure if this is because I was a mom of or a woman of color or just because my OB was a white male, but I did have some challenges there. Um, I think it was just like a lot of lack of emotional support or what I felt that I needed and wanted. I mean, professionally, he did his job, and I don't think he didn't tell me anything that wasn't true or misleading, but I think he just lacked sensitivity around what I needed. You know, this is my first pregnancy. Um, you know, I've never done this before. I just need you to be a little bit more supportive. Mm-hmm. And and one time he um, made this comment, this analogy of, um, as we were talking about whether or not I wanted to give birth without medication or not, he said, um, you women, and he started it with you women, yeah. First of all, <laughs> we're already starting off very insensitive. Exactly, but he was like, you know, you women, um, you know, you make things difficult. He's like, you would rather run a race 
barefoot just to get to the end and say you did it when you could have just put some shoes on and, you know, ran with them the whole time. Um, And so although I got what he was trying to say, I just needed him to be a little bit more sensitive to what I was, you know, what I wanted to do. If I wanted to do this naturally, then I want to do this naturally. If I want medication, I want medication. I just need you to be there to advise. You know, that's your role. And I judge, which is what it sounded like. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So he he came off um, pretty cold and unsupportive at at times. And it was funny because initially when I would come home from appointments and tell Michael, he, you know, he was like, well, you know, you're probably just being sensitive. You probably didn't mean it like that. And then when he experienced it, he's like, "Okay, I get it. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. just his personality. Um, So this time around, I do have a female doctor. Um, She's from the same practice and the experience had been so much better. Um, she's actually expecting maybe like a month after me. Um, and so that may come into how, you know, the conversations we have, the time that she spends with me, you know, he would be halfway out the door. Like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, "Uh, if I did, I feel like I'm inconveniencing you. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that was interesting. Um, I did end up having an emergency C-section, um, throughout that process. So it was interesting, like just recalling some of the things that he was telling me and how it all played out, but that was okay. Um, I do think my postpartum experience was, was less than favorable. Um, I had a nurse come in and, you know, after you have a baby, they try to, you know, kind of push your stomach to get stuff out and things like that. But she was like, really pushing on my stomach hard and I was telling her that it hurt and I I was just like just give me a break you know and this lady was not holding up like she kept pressing and it's you know this is what we have to do and I mean I was in tears that's the Mm -hmm. amount of you know pain I was in I was crying and my mom was just so upset (laughs) that she um she ended up reporting it And then I think from that point on, my level of care from the nursing staff just went down. I mean, maybe they thought I was like this problem patient and they just tried to stay away from me. But just a lack of attentiveness, like the first two days I was there post having this baby was was terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Like an example, I woke up um, one in the middle of the night and you know when you're in a nurse when you're in a hospital they're bothering you like every hour it's like can I please just get some sleep but I woke up like in the middle of the night and all my equipment was off so like they usually give you these cuffs to keep the blood circulating in your leg and then the monitors all of that stuff was off and I was like (laughs) <laughs> like my, that's not right <laughs> it just didn't seem right and so it was kind of like a crazy moment because I was like okay I can't imagine that these nurses would come in here and turn this off but at the same time it was only me and him in the room so neither one of us did it so it's like well what happened so we're emergency calling the nurses to come in and they kind of blamed me for it like they were like well you you had to do it and I'm like So that experience with those nurses was just, you know, you hear so many stories about how black women are treated during um, care and, you know, birth and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I don't know if I think it's not going to be me or 
do those things really happen? We, I mean, we know they happen because of the stories, but to have to deal with some of that stuff, it was just, I just was like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> like, and, um, and so, you know, they, they came in, they plugged everything back in and then they just kind of left me alone. And, um, and then I think the next day or so there was a new round of nurses um, and they were so much better about caring for me. So, so, and, and you said that like, you like, I cannot, I specifically say that it was because I was a woman of color, but yeah. like you said, we do hear these stories where, women feel like throughout their pregnancy they are not listened to and they are not heard and just as a mother and some and someone who just blogs about your journey what are some things that we can do to change that um i don't know i think just continuing to to speak out about certain things being an advocate for yourself um you know there's the whole doula movement. And I, I honestly think that doulas are great because they, they do come in with a mother in mind, you know, the, the doctors and, you know, they're there to make sure that they're delivering us a healthy baby. And sometimes mama's care just gets not overlooked, but it's, it's, they're there to deliver this healthy baby. And sometimes that balance I think is off. So I think, you know, utilizing those type of services, I didn't, you know, I decided not to use a doula again this time. And that was just personal preference. Um, I felt like maybe my second time around, I'm more informed, especially mm-hmm. so quick. I mean, I just did this, what, 16 months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I felt like I, I knew how to be a better advocate for myself and then, you know, making sure Michael was there to be that as well. So does that answer your question or it does it does it does um and that's something that you said that like just stuck out to me and that is just being an advocate for yourself mm-hmm. that's really important and just me being in the health industry so many people think that you cannot be that for yourself like you are supposed to be quiet and just kind of take what's given to you but it's your health yeah yeah, yeah and that that's all around I think it's especially um, an issue when it comes to pregnancy and delivery, but um, our everyday health. Um, yeah. I, we don't speak up enough. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever um, reason, it's so strange. I know. <laughs> I, <don't> know. <laughs> um, I, I know. And, but it's uh, on the flip side as health professionals, I think there's a component that, they're not always as open or as comforting or that, that bedside manner is not always there. So um, yeah. it's a dual thing. Yeah. And um, I think like the second part of it for me was, you know, I joined this um, local black lactation group, you know, cause you know, the thought is you're, you're going to have a baby, you're going to breastfeed, or you're going to attempt to do that. And so I joined this local group for support. And, um, I think it, I, I think I just, um, so when I had Mason, he, he, you know, went up to the NICU for at least two and a half days. And so during that time, I mean, I was just 
so much like in recovery mode, like drugged up most of the time, just trying to heal. And I don't think I took it as serious, like how quick I needed to be prepared to start breastfeeding him. And I was like, you know what, just let me recover. I will, I will get on it when I get home kind of thing, (laughs) you know, so I would try here and there, but I don't think I was as dedicated as I, I needed to be. I didn't know the how important it was. And so they were bottle feeding him from day one. And so he got used to that. And then um, when it came for my turn, I was doing the pumping, you know, we were trying to latch, he latched okay. Um, But the production just wasn't there. And I don't think it, it changed, you know, even when I got home, my production level just never got up to what it should have been for him to latch long enough and so I just continued to bottle feed him and you know it it got to a point where I reached out to the group and I just feel like you know that could be so people that breastfeed and they know like that breastfeeding could be a struggle they could push a little maybe too hard to try to get people to breastfeed and it's like most women want to breastfeed, you know, they, they want to breastfeed. It's not something they don't want to do, but if they can't do it for reasons of production or, you know, some women have so much pain, I didn't have that issue, but some women go through so much pain trying to breastfeed or just their emotional status at the time, you know, their mental stability, they just can't cope with what's going on in that process. And so I just feel like as women and as moms, we just need to support one another. And I felt like I received so much pressure about what I needed to do that it kind of turned me off. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And um, I'm trying, you know, I, I tried supplements and then the supplements were interesting because the supplements did make the milk production come in more, but then they was impacting him. And then I was having to deal with a baby that had an upset stomach all the time. And, and so I was like, you know, I'm not doing this, you know, I'll try my hardest to pump and try to get my production up, but if it doesn't come, then it just doesn't come. And so, you know, he would have probably a half a day's worth of, um, milk for me and then I was supplemented with formula and then when I came back to work that was like a whole nother thing and so mm-hmm. it w- it just became so much and I was just like you know what my son is fed he's happy I'm happy this didn't work out I'm sorry you know but I just felt so judged by people that that do breastfeed and you know and so that was like a whole nother um thing that I felt and I I felt it from my black sisters I'm like come on y'all you know and they're just it was just so much pressure behind that and um so like the opposite I'm thinking it was probably the opposite of the experience that you expected from the group yeah because I I think though you know when it comes to us we have to be strong right and it you know we have to be so strong we have to like push the envelope we have to you know, and you end up doing so much for others and giving so much to other people that what is left for you, you know, and I'm such a strong believer in balance in my life. Like I have to have balance as best as I can, you know, because Mm -hmm. the beam is constantly moving. So for me, it's important that I take care of myself and I take care of my child and I take care of my husband, you know, the best that I can. And I won't be able to balance them all at 
at the level that I want at all times. Like it's impossible. But for myself, it's important that I'm in a good place so that I can at least, you know, that I can support everybody else when I need to. But we we try to be so much to so many people. And because of that, we um, strain ourselves. I mean, you know, statistics with black women. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And so you, to um, kind of go with the theme you said, like, you have to have balance. What are some kind of like must do's in your agenda or your regimen for keeping that balance? I think have an agenda in the, pl- in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah. I- <laughs> I have a, um, I fell in love with Passion Planner. It was, um, it's an agenda that was created by like, I think she's like a Filipino girl. Um, it's, you know, it talks about, you know, your goals It's very inspirational from week to week. You know, it's a writing agenda. Like truly I, I live by my calendar because I have to be reminded <laughs> by stuff, by meetings and everything daily, but sitting down, taking time to write in my agenda um, and understand what goals I'm trying to accomplish for the week, for the day, for the month. That's important to me. And that's how I um, try to maintain some sense of like a regimen or um, what I need to get done. Okay. And um, what has been one of your biggest challenges is maintaining life as a professional, as a mom and a wife? Um, I think just... You know, back to the whole balance thing Mm -hmm. and creating boundaries. um, That's kind of always my theme. It's like, I just need to have boundaries. I need to, you know, I can go above and beyond. You know, it's what I've done. It's what I do. But sometimes you just got to know your boundaries and kind of stay within those so you can be your best, your your best self. And so um, I have passions and desires professionally. I'm I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm still young enough to feel that, you know, the decisions I make today will impact my future career. And so it's like a roller coaster feeling, you know, um, I'm sure things could change in the future. But right now. The success of my the success of my child day to day falls on me and Michael as parents, um, and that's kind of empowering. Um, mm-hmm. But then the challenge of being a wife is not to shortchange Michael. I mean, he's been such an amazing partner, and he supports my endeavors. But I have to still prioritize him and his needs, and um, it's not going to always be consistent. But it'll be top of mind, and I try to just always match what my actions are with my words. And so, so yeah, so those are my challenges, I think, um, with with work and life and mom and, and wife. And then, you know, family comes into that, too. Yes, yes, yes. So. <laughs> um, and just, like, as, like, you, you're starting a whole another family so the relationships that you had like you said you have to kind of have those boundaries because you can't you just don't have as much time yeah. to have the same relationship that you might have had with your family members mm-hmm. um so just, has that transition been okay um I think you know my family like I said most of my family's in New York so I think we've went a long enough time away from each other <laughs> that you know, it's not like I, I miss them. We see each other at least once a year if, at the minimum. So, you know, we utilize Facebook to stay in contact 
and know what, what's going on with one another. Um, I would say some of my friendships, like, you know, I have a small, very small number of like best friends, people that I've been friends for a long time. And I feel like in some time, in some ways, those relationships may have been strained um, due to one, maybe me not being there as much as I would have wanted to be um, if they were going through something or um, on the other hand, just going in different directions in life. Um, and so it's interesting because those handful of people, we pick up where we left off when we jump on the call or we're in each other's presence. But at the same time, from a day-to-day standpoint, you just kind of want to be more for them. Um, yeah. So, and that's hard. That's always hard to balance. And... Um... Is there any notable feedback that you've gotten um, since starting Motherhood Is from readers or followers um, that you just kind of implemented or was informative to you um, just at all? Yeah, I think one, I just think it's interesting that people are paying attention or reading. You know, I've reconnected with people. you know, friends that maybe lived in Ohio that relocated somewhere else. And we met up at like a wedding and they'll be talking about the, my, my blog or my Instagram. And I'm like, I didn't even know you were paying attention, (laughs) you know, and um, I definitely want to do more writing. I hope that this year I could um, actually do like a, a website where I can write more because right now just utilizing, you know, Instagram and Facebook, it's just for quick posts. Um, but I would like to write a little bit more. Um, so people have, you know, thanked me for being just transparent, um, especially when it comes to topics like we just talked about with breastfeeding, because I'm not the only one that, you know, has had challenges in that area, but there's just still so much pressure behind breast is best. And, you know, for me coming from a stance like, no, fat is best. Um, and, you know, not being a woman at stressing yourself out, going into postpartum depression because you feel like you aren't enough for your child. You are enough. Um, I mean, there's even been like extreme cases of moms starving their babies because they weren't getting enough milk from them. Um, but yet the the mom just continued to meet like society's pressures. And it's just like, um, wow. you know, just not wanting just like feeling like they had to continue to push themselves. And it's like, yes, there's, there's definitely women that overcome it. You know, lactation consultants are there for a reason. Um, They definitely can turn things around for you, but you have to be mindful of just the emotional and mental state that you're in once you have a baby and, and respect that. Okay. And just because you talked about postpartum depression, I feel like that is something that the, kind of average, healthy, you know, um, woman our age, just, I feel like they feel like that they won't go through it. And um, I've had friends that even like are my close friends and are like kind of now telling me um, I suffer from postpartum depression. And um, just, do you want to speak to that at all about the awareness of that? Yeah. I mean, I think again, people just, have to um be real you know like what gandhi is like to thine own self be true <laughs> like be real with yourself know what um 
know your differences, know your changes, you know, and, and postpartum cannot just be you yourself. It could be your partner. Um, so being mindful of that, like I've had friends recently, you know, a male friend that have reached out to like, what's going on? You know, are you going through postpartum? Because, you know, that person did just have a child. And so, you know, we just have to be, we have to, um, acknowledge what's going on and then decide what we're going to, what we're going to do about it. Um, because it is real, you know, and I remember one day sitting at home and my, and Michael came home and I was crying and he was like, like freaking out, like what's wrong. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I'm just so happy. But like, when you have a child, it just, you know, you just have all the feels. You need to know how to to manage those. And I'm like, I'm crying, but I'm happy. Like, I'm so happy. I'm just like, it's when people say a child is a gift, it's like, truly, it felt like it was a gift. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have been blessed with this gift. And, you know, and now I have to care for it. So it's like, you're excited, you have anxiety, you you know, Mm -hmm. it's like really all of the feels. And you have to navigate them all and, yeah. and to, you know, like, you know, ask your, I think it, it's important that pregnant or not pregnant, like <laughs> for your postpartum, we assess all of those things as women and say like, am I okay? What does this mean? Is it something I can work through or is it something I might need to, you know, ask for help on? Get some help. Yes. And I've been struggling because I've been saying for over a year that I was going to get, um, a counselor and I still need to do it. Um, I definitely think it's, it's worth it for people to have, um, you know, someone that they could talk to. And and that person doesn't always have to be your spouse or your partner or your friends that you're, you're putting certain things on. Um, and so, so yeah, that's something I would, I still need to put on my list. (laughs) It's on my list too. I was, um, ironically like spent a day out with some of my close friends like five of us and like one of us just like I just need a therapist and like all of us like me too and Mm -hmm. it's just like I feel like it's something that our generation is more comfortable with um but we just don't make it a priority and (laughs) something I feel like that can help us all around not just with like stress or problems but just goal setting and you know making sure that you are your agenda is you know getting done Right. Right. And it's more open. You you talk about goal setting. Right. And so we think about like a coach, you know, you have a life right. coach, but right. you may not want to talk to your if, if you feel like you have a coach that's trying to help you professionally or something, you might feel like you need to be on all the time or, you know, yeah. not be so vulnerable with that person. Whereas if you have a therapist or counselor, you can do it all. You can kind of cover all of those areas without feeling the judgment or, you know, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. in full support of it. Putting it back on, um, moving it back on my list. It's <laughs> on my 2019 goals. I'm, I'm putting it there. Um, so as working millennial women, we're starting families later, buying homes later, like doing all these things that are deemed traditional later in life do you think that's good or bad and why yeah so so first of all I feel like everyone has kind of their own journey right um you have people that start life very early on they do the kids early then they go back and do the career and you know and I don't 
I'm, I don't subscribe to that. There's this one way. Right. And so I'm also not big on generalization. So for some millennial working women and their personal goals, they may want to delay those milestones. But personally, um, I just feel like life is short. And so who's to say I will even have a later. So in a world where everything is just moving at the speed of light, I think we should just find time to just slow everything down, live in the moment and be present. And so for me, that meant just having a candid conversation with my former employer about what my work and personal goals were. I like mapped it out for them, you know, during our performance review process. And I expressed, you know, this is where I, where I am professionally. This is where I need to be. And these are what experiences that I need that will give me the tools to reach those goals. And so my manager was kind of like, she seemed impressed, but then she was also very frank in, in saying that that may not be possible in the organization, uh-huh. you know, at the size that it was. And that was fine, you know, and I respected her position, um, but it didn't change what I needed to do for myself and my career so that I could start preparing to settle down and grow my family. You know, so I wasn't, you know, I'm I'm after 30. So, but, you know, I'm still young, like that's still young. Um, You could be mid 30s, upper 30s, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and, And so, but for me, it's just like, this is where I was at in my life. And I almost felt selfish at a a sense. It was like, I need to line these things up so that I can move forward and start preparing for what's next. Um, But not really trying to put a time frame on it all still. But it's important that we do that. Yeah. That we're always mapping it out and making sure that we're prioritizing what we really want. Yeah. 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 Especially when you're in in a partnership with someone um, because I think he was definitely, you know, pushing it more than I was. Um, it, it started out, you know, okay, maybe by 30 we'll start, you know, and then maybe by this period. And I, and it was like, if you would have left it up to me, I would have just kept pushing it out. And, you know, because I'm focused on my career and what I'm doing here, it was just going to happen. And so it just happened. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, well, it's, it's here. So let's let's make it do what it do. Okay. And just to talk about some of your um, endeavors and goals that you've accomplished with your husband, Um, you made a post and you kind of expressed that you had decided to invest in real estate to secure wealth for your children. How did you start that endeavor and why did you choose to do so? And why do you think that that is important? Sure. Um. So I think I've always had like this interest in real estate, although I didn't know much about it. Um, And being on the board, like holding the the board seat that I had with Columbus Urban League Young Professionals, we had bought some some young African-American investors in and they kind of just talked to it all from their experience and just made it seem very much achievable and very much, um, you know, it just piqued my interest that much more. And I think from that point on, um, Michael and I were like listening to podcasts nonstop and just educating ourselves. And it was like truly this aha moment. You know, I I think a lot of people in the financial real estate world reference Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but truly Rich Dad, Poor Dad was kind of 
what solidified what we needed to do um, going forward, the plan that we needed to put in place um, that would have an, an impact, a great impact on our kids um, and just creating generational wealth, you know, doing doing those things that maybe our ancestors didn't have the opportunity to do because of, you know, challenges that they had to face growing up. You know, now we're here. All excuses aside, all barriers aside, because there's still barriers, there's still things that we have to overcome. But putting all those things aside and saying, what can we do to make sure we're securing generational wealth for our family? Mm -hmm. And as a mother of black children, uh, what do you think will be the most important thing that you teach them? Um, man, I think just, you know, to be good people, <laughs> it sounds so simple, but I just, hope, right. I hope, you know, there's no manual to this whole parenting thing. And I just hope that they're good children. And I think, they become that by us being good examples for them. Um, and, you know, not just telling them what they needed to do. I think that's a lot of the struggle with, you know, people our age or um, maybe the generations below us or above us. It, it was a lot of um, our parents may have not had those opportunities. So they were just telling us what we needed to do. And they maybe, maybe couldn't have shown us because of their situation Um and so I think being in a position to tell them, show them, um, and just help them maneuver life. You know, it's this delicate balance of you, you're, you're black, you're proud, um, but that doesn't mean you have to necessarily not live in this diverse world. You know, not respect everyone and not, you know, I want to say victimize yourself or just just know that not let that stop you or yeah, not. yeah yeah or or push you too too much sometimes you hear stories where people put so much pressure on themselves because you know they've been told you got to work harder you got to do this which you know is very valid very valid in um, a lot of situations but it's like but then what did that do to that person you right. know I, and we talk about mental health hey you know, look all these, mm -hmm. you know, so, so yeah, I hope that. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Um, what is something that you want every current mother to know? And what is something that you want every future mother to know? Let's see. Um, so to, first of all, did you see the homecoming? <laughs> the Beyonce homecoming. Okay, look, I, I, I hate to like divulge this right here, but I am not a Beyonce fan. So the okay. answer is no. That's <laughs> look, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm not like a flocker to, you know, celebrities or anything like that. I mean, I, I love the homecoming because I think, um, you know, it was just kind of nostalgic for me to just see like marching bands and the music and the dancing and all that stuff. So I just love the performance and the entertainment side of it all. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely not a part of the beehive or okay. <laughs> any other. Yeah, I'm not that person. Like you'll never see me just going crazy over like celebrities or anything like that. But definitely watch the homecoming. Um, and today I posted on my Instagram story a quote that she said. 
in the um from the video and it was something to the effect that she said I feel like I'm a new woman in a new chapter of my life and I'm not even trying to be who I was um it's beautiful that children do that to you I did I actually did read that it might have been on your post yeah, your <laughs> probably. Um, and right before that, um, like a clip before that, she had made a comment about how hard she pushed herself for that moment. And then she said, but I'll never do it again. And to me, that was powerful because, again, we push ourselves so hard and we try to be so much, you know, and it's like, but you have to take a step back and take care of you. And mm-hmm. so. So I would say, again, I know I've said this a lot, but just current moms, you know, know your boundaries and live within them. You know, there's going to be opportunities to go above and beyond. And, you know, I encourage you to put on your superwoman cape and meet those obstacles. I I definitely feel like I still do. Um, But there will be times when you just need to say no and protect your peace because your Mm -hmm. peace of mind is going to be that glue that will hold your family together. Um, And then for future moms, I just say, you know, don't rush the process. As a single, you know, a single woman or a woman that's dating, just take your time out in that relationship, vet that relationship, take that time out for yourself, um, you know, so that you don't need someone to complete you. Um, Because it's important, you know, that there's this partnership when you have this child, not talking about marriage, you know, marriage isn't for everyone. Um, but you should have a relationship if you're going to have a child. Um, and so just don't get caught up in the wedding. Don't get caught up in having a baby because what's important is that, you know, when you choose that life partner, that's, that's going to be, um, someone that's going to bring out the best in you, um, together. Mm-hmm. And that's going to bring out the best in your child. And so when they say you can do all, you can do bad all by yourself, People just be ignoring that. (laughs) (laughs) They They be ignoring that. And it's like, no, um, you know, that person is out there for you. And, um, you know, maybe you need to start dealing with whoever um, so that you can see that other person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if not, um, you know, it it just won't last. And it's it it would suck to have a long life of just misery. Um, Yes, indeed. yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, what are some of your future, future personal or professional goals, and what do you see for the future of motherhood? Is <sighs> let's see. So, um, so professionally, I'm, you know, I'm kind of loving where I'm at um, from a career standpoint. I think taking that that jump from my former company was a a leap of faith, but it was, it ended up being exactly kind of what I, what I needed, what I wanted, even though I couldn't articulate it exactly. It ended up being just what I needed now that I'm here where I am here today, where I'm at today. And so, um, I love what I do. So I would love to continue to, you know, work professionally with me starting FI Realty. I hope to kind of move into the property management space, um, as we continue to invest, purchase more properties, I would love to, you know, manage not just my properties, but other properties as well. It's strange. Like Columbus is like one of the top, I think an article just went out, one of the top um, real estate markets in the world. 
And it's just because of um, the growth that's happening here and affordability. Um, and so we have we have investors all over the country that's investing here. And so being able to be um, that trusted partner on um, foot here, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And I'm taking it slow, um, especially with being about to have a baby and not knowing how that's going to turn my life upside down. Um, okay. and, and also wanting to still be the best I can be on my job. I'm just going to take that piece slow, but that's kind of what I see in the, the future. Um, I'm hoping to keep writing more um, or I'm hoping to write more. <laughs> I should probably say spending more time <laughs> with motherhood is um it, and I think the content is just, you know, it's just changing. Now it's changing. I have two under two, you know, now I'm going to have two under two with a new business venture and, and still trying to work and still trying to manage or not manage my marriage, but, um, you know, enjoy this marriage. And um, so, yeah, so I think there's a lot of content there. So hopefully I can just sit my butt down and take the time to to write. Oh, well, I want to say that as a single person without any kids, um, with not even having kids on the radar, I still find your content super interesting, just um, in expressing this journey, just like this conversation we've just had, just so many nuggets that um, every woman or every person can kind of take in, whether that's their trek or not. So thank you. That's good. Well, thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the feedback. It's motivational. Um, Good, good. Um, And let me say, I know how that writing is because when I started in pursuit of, I was supposed to like blog all the time. Um, Making time for writing is hard. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to, I want to encourage both of us (laughs) (laughs) to write more. And, it, you know, it, and you want it to be natural and, you know, not forced. And so I usually just write when I have the time to write. And sometimes that's three or four o'clock in the morning. And that's when I, you know, may write the best, best content. Um, and, and so if I'm trying to catch up on sleep during that time, maybe I'm not getting up writing. And again, I don't want to force it. So I just want it to be just mm-hmm. authentic um, and just come out the way it comes out. So. Okay, and our ending question question to the episode, what are you in pursuit of? I'm in pursuit of financial independence. Um, and what that means um, for us, I would say it's just, you know, maybe getting to a place where our expenses are are so low that maybe our investments cover them. And it wouldn't matter if we didn't work, you know, it didn't matter if we wanted to take the summer off with our kids because that's important and we'll never get that time back. Um, You know, I I just I think it's important to have that freedom. The interesting thing with us, you know, purchasing our new duplex, um, we have our duplex. We're currently renovating it. We have a tenant on the other side um, and our goal is to move into that duplex. And so. You know, sometimes family don't understand. They're like, why would you, you know, they're looking at it like we're downsizing. You know, you want to sell this house that you just invested all this money in. And and now you're going to go to the small, like two bedroom duplex. Like, what are you doing, Chanel? And I'm like, we have student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And so unless you're about to pay off my student loan debt, 
just let me manage my finances. And so, you know, that's, it's heavy when you have, you know, any type of debt. And so for us to have as much student loan debt that we have and to have this opportunity to potentially sell our house to, you know, if we don't pay off both of our loans, at least, you know, maybe one of our loans, that's a huge relief. And so I need to be able to sleep well at night with, with lighter debt load. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of the plan right now. And if it, you know, if it doesn't happen, if we don't sell our house, because we're not going to give our house away. We love our house. We've put some um, love, sweat, tears in that house. Um, if we don't sell it, then we'll just stay there and then we'll just rent out the other half of our duplex. Um, but again, the goal is just to get to a place of just financial independence um, where we call, we live life on our own terms. Um, if that means retiring early, great. I feel like I will always work, so I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> um but I think, again, it just it's being on my own terms, not being tied to someone's time clock um, and, you know, enjoying life and enjoying our family and our kids and being free. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like on the same path as you, like just thinking uh, about, you know, I bought a house, but like having a duplex and living in one side mm-hmm. is like so thinking about it. It's and the move. <laughs> Good. But thank you so much for um just, just like just giving your opinions and your knowledge. It was very refreshing. Great. Great. Well, again, I appreciate you for reaching out. Thank you for listening to our 8th episode of the In Pursuit of podcast featuring Chanel Nelson. Be sure to follow her page Motherhood is on Facebook and motherhood is underscore on Instagram. This information will be listed in the show notes. When we recorded this episode, Chanel was pregnant, but has since given birth to a beautiful, healthy baby girl, Camille. So we want to send congrats and blessings to the Nelson family. This podcast is created and produced by myself, Alina Melton. The podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. Please follow the show's Instagram page at underscore in pursuit of. For questions, comments, guests, or show suggestions, please email iaminpursuitof at gmail.com. And don't forget to like, follow, and share the page as well as the podcast and write a five-star review.